Hello and welcome to Socks on Tap. I am Johnny Nani. I'm joined tonight by Tony Marchese. Tony, uh, unfortunate start to the series in Kansas City tonight. White Sox fell by a score of six to four. Um, how how are you feeling about this game? Uh, I know there was a lot going on. Chuck Garfine even used our terms. I felt like we were watching a roller coaster, but uh, let's just get your initial reaction right here. Uh, this game sucked. Um, just right off the bat, this this is. This is a type of White Sox loss that, you know, I just hate, hate to see. Um, there's really no other way to describe it. I mean, they were in this game pretty much the whole time. A few little bit of, you know, manager-type mistakes in there that we could debate throughout the game that uh, that Ricky made. Um, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And on, on top of that... Um, you know, the offense just couldn't come through in a few different key situations where they had runners in scoring position, and you get yourself a 6-4 to loss against the 20-43 and Kansas City Royals. So it uh, just wasn't a very pleasant ending to what could have been a good game, I guess. Yeah, I know you were texting me during this because we already slotted up to do this episode together, and you were texting me during it, and you were like, oh, this could be a fun socks on tap. Well, at that point, I think it was about the top of the third inning when we were up 2 to nothing. Yep. Get out to a lead, you know, two two nothing in the top of the third, and then one run comes across the plate in the bottom of the third, and then scoreless through fourth and fifth, and Kansas City comes alive in the sixth inning. Now that was that was all Ivan Nova's doing, because um, then the next runs came in the seventh inning, and that was due to Jace Fry. So I, I would have liked to see Bummer there. I don't know about you, Don. You know, Nova's worst enemy is the third time through that order. I feel like he should take himself out of these ball games when we get to his third time through. This is not the first time we've seen this. It's not the first time that, you know, we've been down this road. We know what Nova's going to do when he gets into that sixth inning. Even the late fifth inning sometimes you can start to smell some trouble. And I mean this was just I feel like this was deja vu because we've seen this before. I don't know why he goes more than five. I feel like if he just went five innings every game that he starts in, we'd be in a lot better shape. I know the guy's rolling through at that point in time. He, I think he tied his season high or, or got the season high amount of strikeouts with six today. I know you want to leave a guy in if he's rolling, but Nova's just not that type of guy that goes deep into ball games. He starts to get into trouble. And yeah, I wanted to see Bummer instead of Fry today too. You know, I would have, I could have done this game without Herrera, but at that point we were already down. Um, but it was still a close ball game, and I think Buzz said this the other day: the White Sox seem to, to, if they can keep a team under four runs, they seem to win a lot of ball games. And as they went to four, and then they added those two in the seventh, you could just tell that this team didn't have enough to get the job done. It was extremely frustrating to watch because. The Sox were battling, Johnny. The first two innings, they were frustrating. We had some runners on, you know, couldn't get anything across the board, across the plate. And finally, they get on the board in the third, and you just, you kind of felt like, okay, now we're up on the Royals. This should be a win. This should be a win. And that's what I said, you know, this should be a fun Sox on tap. And I said this on Shy Sox Weekly with, with Jonda, the difference between a really good White Sox team and the team we see right now is that really good White Sox team is going to find ways to shut those games down, win those types of ball games or battle back and win these ball games. 
you know, you want to put in that Ricky's boys don't quit. Well, it should be Ricky's boys know how to win. That's what it should be. Ricky's boys know how to win. Once we get to Ricky's boys know how to win, I'm tired of don't quit. I want Ricky's boys know how to win. That's what I want. No, I I agree with you. And I listen to that Chai Sox weekly and I agree with those sentiments. And another big thing that you guys always touch on is winning games against your divisional opponents. I know that you're not going to win. It's a long season. It's 162 games. I get it. I understand it. Not being unrealistic here. You're not going to win every single ball game. But the Kansas City Royals are bad. It's a team that you should beat. And the good teams mm-hmm. will take care of those teams, the lowly teams in their division, uh, no problem. Yep. And the, the losses don't pile up there. The biggest thing that I can take away from this one is, I mean, I, I just go to the Jace Fry. I was watching the postgame show for a little bit right before we jumped on the uh, NBC Sports Chicago one. And Frank Thomas says that Jace Fry hasn't been that bad as of late. He has not been consistent all season, Tony. He struggles. I mean, you can obviously see it in just the uh, approach that, I mean, he gets the loss for tonight. He gave up two runs, both of them earned one walk. And that was only in two thirds of an inning pitched gets uh, credited for the loss there. So, I mean, I, I just would have liked to see bummer there. That would have been my, uh, my critique of this, but I, I don't know. I'd like to get your take on what could have been done better in this game. Well, you know, it's easy to just go in there and say, you know, throw bummer instead of fry. It's easy to go in there and second guess what Ricky Renteria did all across the board here. I already mentioned, you know, Nova, going into that third time through the order is just not something that I like seeing. Um, You know, I just, like I said, it's hard to take a guy out if he's doing okay, but then he starts to get into trouble. And it's, it's, it's almost to the point where once Nova gets into trouble, it's already too late. That's what I'm trying to get at. You know, it's, it's easy enough to go and pinch hit for, you know, a guy in a situation uh, whether it be lefty, righty, whatever for a manager. This should just be one of those things I feel like with Nova is once we get to a certain point with him, we take him out of the ball game just because we know we can smell the trouble. Um, I feel like that's, you know, it, it might come off a little bit hot there. It's not something that you normally see in, in these ball games, especially when you got, have a guy like Nova, you want to eat innings with him. You want to get him deep into games, but he's just not good there. Um, Jace Fry probably shouldn't have been in this ball game. I know we, t- we talked about that already. Um, you know, there was just, there's almost too many to even go back and recount here, uh, yeah, the, different situations. Uh, he, the, the, the Wellington Castillo pinch hitting for yonder. I felt like you could have probably went with Tilson there. I know that's not the obvious choice, but Tilson's just such a better hitter. And if he's on the bench, he's such a better hitter than both of these guys so far this year. You, you know, Tilson should have been starting in the game to begin with. So I don't, you know, there's, there's too many different things to, <laughs> to go over. I, I don't even know what else you could have done in this game. It just it just felt like it was mismanaged. Um, but that's easy to say when, when the Royals are putting up runs in, in different situations. I know this is something that Frank Thomas was even uh, talking about on the postgame show too, was you never know what's in the manager's head. He's trying to build guys, certain guys up in certain situations and stuff like that. So it's easy to play and see both sides here. But I don't know. This loss was just really frustrating to me because like you said, you want to beat up on your divisional opponents. The Royals are somebody that we've beat up on all year, and you know, losing to them in a close ball game like this when you when you had leads, uh, it just it, it's not it doesn't leave a good taste. In yeah, I just wanted to go back on one thing you said about um, Ivan Nova. You can kind of like you know smell the danger creeping in that fifth inning, uh, sixth inning as soon as it gets there. I honestly don't think there's enough guys in the bullpen that are reliable enough 
to feel like you can even go to and it's going to be shut down from there on out. I mean, I know it's a tall task in the MLB, but you look at the guys that we're in tonight. Uh, Fry Marshall's that's fine. I, I'm okay with that, even though uh, there was, was that in one trouble. hit. Yeah, he was already in yeah, trouble. Yeah, he, he was put in when there was already trouble there. So the one hit, uh, the run scored, but that's credited to Nova anyway. Fry Manaya there. I don't know if there is a better option. That's that's the only thing I'm saying is that sure it would have been nice to have someone come in and just lock it down. But that's not always the case when you only have one or two guys that are locked down Very and one true. of them your closer. I mean, that's very true. And, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit on Shy Sacks Weekly, too, was do you trade Kawame? And I look at games like this, and imagine not having Kawame in the ninth inning. These are the options that you would be seeing for the rest of the year. I, I just want people to realize that. If you, if you go and get rid of Kawame, you've got Jace Fries, Juan Manias, uh Herrera, um, Bummer and Marshall probably do get a chance to to pitch there as well, but it's going to go by committee, and this is the type of stuff we're going to see. You know, that's why having that closer is so important. And you know, I guess I've I've said my piece on it. I don't want to see him traded yeah. for reasons yeah, I, like this. I, I'm with you. I, I want to keep Calme around. It, I agreed with your blog that you wrote. It was back in like January, I believe it was, when you said it's time to stop trading these relief pieces, and I agree with that. But, Tony, I just wanted to get into a little bit of the positives uh, from tonight. Yohan Mankata with the two for five. The I know he struck out to end the game, uh, so that kind of is the last thing, the last taste that gets left in your mouth. But that double down the line with Lurie scoring from first, that was giving a Kansas City special to the Kansas City Royals. So I know it's tough to you know pick out positives in a game like this, and obviously just our mood as fans, we're upset that we lost. But we, we do need to go and rehash these things because I thought that was great. I don't know about you. No, I love that. And actually, I do think that there were some positives. I know that uh, we have a stance against you know the uh, the seat at the table and and finding silver linings and. In losses and stuff like that, because I'm a firm believer in a loss is a loss and a win is a win. But there were some positives in this game. Garcia is one of them. Your guy, Lure Garcia, uh, showing off the speed today. That I think that was another huge positive. Um, you know, getting that run across the board uh, is it, it. It really helped the White Sox in that situation. Um, Moncada, like you mentioned, and then James McCann was another guy out there uh, playing good today. Uh, I know he did have one strikeout, but he took a walk, two RBIs, got two hits. He had that double. Um, he looked good today, too. Yeah. You know, I, I think one thing that is important to realize for White Sox fans here, and they showed a bunch of these catchers side by side on the broadcast, but Jason Benetti was really, really plugging a lot. I don't know if you watch all the way from the pregame show into the broadcast itself. But he was plugging it throughout. You know, you can go and vote James McCann, all-star. Um, mm-hmm. But the numbers that he's putting up, they really are. Uh, I mean, power numbers, obviously, Gary Sanchez is probably your best power-hitting catcher in the AL. There's no question about that, just the home run numbers itself. But average there, I mean, he's got him. And you look at just the overall resurgence from James McCann. I mean, I, not that he was terrible before. He's just, a you know, kind of a more league average. And this year, 343 batting average after tonight still. I would say White Sox fans go out and vote James McCann all-star game. You know what's really weird, and I I found this today um, when I was looking over some fantasy baseball stuff, is that James McCann has only driven in 13 runs. For a guy that's hitting as well as he is, 
and I know I brought this up in one of my blogs with the with the James McCann's fooling you thing or whatnot, and I, I've enjoyed watching him play, but it's just weird that it just seems like even though he's hitting better with runners in scoring position, Johnny, from the middle of the order, he's only got 13 RBIs. Why aren't guys on base for him? Yeah, see, that. I mean, that's another problem. And th- there were times, you know, we had the period of times where uh, people were complaining about the lineup. And I know it's kind of uh, petty to just rehash a uh, same argument over and over and over again in May and uh, early June mm-hmm. of a season that we're probably not going to be competing in. But he was slotted down, you know, you got Yonder Alonso there. Um and his RBIs are pretty much only coming from the few times he hits the ball out of the ballpark. So, um, that, I mean, that, that's a factor in it. But, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up, um, the RBI numbers, yeah, not it's, as it's, high as others, other countries. Well, I mean, you only have 26 from Alonzo, which is a lot more. And, and, and Yonder has appeared in 57, whereas uh, McCann has only appeared in 39. So there's there's more opportunities for for a guy like Yonder Alonso out of the four spot to to drive in those runs. I just find it a little bit interesting with how well McCann is hitting. Like, like I said, I mean, the guy's slugging 500. Um, you know, he's got an OBP at 376, betting 336. With only with only 13 RBIs, I just, I, I'm, uh, I'm surprised by that number, I guess you could say. And I'm wondering if that number is going to affect him at all in the All-Star vote. I think even if he was even at a higher rate um, there for both power and RBIs, I I think he'd still get overshadowed by Gary Sanchez. uh, Just the flash numbers, home runs, straight up uh, New York voting. I was going to say the New York voting's got you know fan fan vote. It's uh, it's unfortunate, but I I would just that's just my thing. I would just encourage White Sox fan to go go do it. Uh, You can just Google search their names, any of these players, and vote for them. So. I just wanted to get that out there because, you know, even if he doesn't make the game, at least we can say we uh, we gave him a good shake at it. Well, and there's a few other guys on this team that are all-star worthy, I think, that, uh, you know, might run into some trouble. We've got Tim Anderson, I think definitely all-star worthy, even though things have kind of tapered off with him. And he's one of the guys that I want to get into yeah. in this game. Um, he did come up in one situation where he did okay, but there was – Late in the ball game, I want to say it was to end the eighth inning. He had a chance to put some runs up on the board and did not. What's been going on with Timmy in your mind, and, and do you see a turnaround um, coming around the corner? Do you think he's been the same since that wrist injury? So my thing with Timmy is he's always been a hot and cold player. I know that the whole month of April was very good to him this year. Obviously, AL Player of the Month. That was impressive, but uh, you know May wasn't as good to him. And then I think the power surge is just kind of indicative of his overall game. He'll go a couple of weeks without a home run and then he'll hit a huge blast and it'll be all over because, you know, he's pipping it. And that's great. I love it. I love the bat flips. I love the walks, the struts, whatever you want to do after you uh, hit a home run to celebrate it. But I feel like that is just still where he's at. And I know baseball is a long season. I mentioned it before. It's 162 games. Uh, Players are going to go hot and cold. But I feel like he is just one of the more streaky guys. And I feel like that's just continuing. Um, That's just how he's been. That's how he is continuing this year. Um, I mean, the average is still up there. It's 321. So 
I, I don't know. I, I do agree with you that uh, he did have a chance there, but then I, I'm going to look. I had to uh, one jump one spot before him, and Eloy, he also had a chance there. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like you should get some fair criticism there as well uh, if we're going to talk about being... He was next uh, on the list. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, there there is a couple chances there, but yeah, uh, Timmy striking out there in that top of the eighth, that just takes wins out of the sailstone. It does. It really does, and I don't know... I don't know when Eloy's going to start to get some of that criticism. I mean, I saw some stuff on Twitter today. Eloy's heating up. I mean, he did he did have a hit today. It was, I believe, a single. Um, but I just expected a lot more gap power from Eloy Jimenez by this time uh, in the year. I agree. So I, I don't know what's going on with him. And I don't think he's gotten his fair shake of at-bats to get stuff done here. I'd like to see him moved up in the order. You know, protecting him down in the the bottom of the order every day, I think you're just losing one or two at-bats per per game or throughout a series where he could face some more pitching. And I I, I don't care if that average goes down a little bit, if he's getting a little bit more uh, exposure to some of these pitchers, especially in games against the AL Central. Um, I'd like to see him moved up a little bit. You know, why why not try him in at, at five? Or I know they used him at two for one of those games. Why don't you give it a go and just get him some more exposure? Because I don't feel like protecting him down at the bottom of the order is really doing him any good at this point in time. What are your thoughts on that? I'm with you. I agree that he should be moved up at some point. And you could use him. I think you could jump him around a little bit. Uh, I did like when... He was hitting in the two hole. Uh, I feel like that's a good exposure spot for him. Doesn't need to be every single game. I know some people like to really like harp on, you know, having a consistent lineup, something that you put out every day. Well, that's just not the case with Ricky. We've seen things all over the place, both last year, this year, other times, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him in a uh, cleanup spot every once in a while, uh, depending on your matchups, how the numbers look for him. But yeah, I do agree with you that, he should be moved up just for the uh, chance to get more opportunities. That's that's my only thought on the subject. Yeah, and and that's why I wanted to get your take on it because I wasn't sure how you felt about it. I just, you know, we saw it with Moncada last year, and we saw him move around a little bit and, and get those at-bats at the top of the order. We haven't really seen Jimenez get any of that. My understanding when Eloy Jimenez was coming up was this guy has so much power. And I know we've seen a few two home run games, and now that I'm harping on him, watch what happens. But you know, it it's just it's it seems a little bit frustrating, at least from my perspective, to see him batting sixth, seventh, and then you know getting a single. He's hit a lot of singles, and I just want to see that gap power. I want to see him, you know, extra bases more, and start putting balls out of the ballpark. I, I know he's pressing now. I know he's pressing, uh, and, you know, it'll come in time. But, you know, you and I talk about this all the time, Johnny. When are we going to see one of these guys come up and just rake? And that's what I thought we were going to have with Eloy Jimenez. I'm not calling him a bust. I'm not calling him, you know, not what he was made out to be. And I'm sure it's going to happen at some point because he is just so talented. But I just want to see this guy absolutely tear up the league. You know, where's this rookie of the year talk? That's what I want from Eloy Jimenez. Dude, I am with you. And this is one place that, you know, some people might not like it. They a lot of people are on the O. It takes time to adjust to the league. Well, let's look at the Michael Chavises of the world. Let's look at the Pete Alonzo's. They have no problem. They come up. They rake right away. Why can't we ever have one of those? Yohan Mankata, uh, almost two full years in. 
I mean, he's finally just coming into form now. I mean, which is great. I, I love Johan Mankata as a ball player, but it wasn't like an explosion onto the scene. Tim I'm, not saying, I'm not saying all these guys have to do that, but are we going to get one? Is there something going on in the player development process that is hindering these guys once they reach the big league level? They say that, you know, they want to don't want to rush anyone and yada, yada, yada. Well, what good is it doing if they're not going to come up and be productive within their first, uh, you know, three, four months of being up here? Then, you know, you might as well just send them up there earlier to take their lumps. Yeah, I mean, you, if that's going to be the process. You pose, a, you pose a good question here. What are we developing these guys for if they're going to come up and struggle for a while each and every single time? What are you know, it's it, you want to see these guys, as Rick Hahn would say, check the boxes at every level. But if they're checking all these boxes and they're coming up and they're not hitting the way that some of these other teams' prospects come up and hit, you know, that that raises some, some red flags for me. I know it raises red flags for you as well. There's some other people who it raises red flags for. Uh, we might get slammed on this take a little bit, but... You know, I don't, I don't like, care. I don't like I, seeing this. I don't, it's, it's I don't care. Do you, do you do you like seeing MLB tweet and MLB pipeline tweet highlights of Pete Alonso every day and you get an Eloy one once a month? No, no I don't. No, I don't it, like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, Pete Alonso is almost having like an all star like caliber like year. Um, I, I'm not saying that that's where Eloy has to be. He needs to be right there right away. But I mean. <laughs> One of, one of these guys is going to have to. Moncada was number one overall prospect in baseball coming up. Eloy was close to that. Yeah, I think he was number three right before he was called up. Here's here's uh, another one. Here's another one. Lucas Giolito. This is this is another one that was a top prospect in all of baseball in his first full year with the White Sox. It was almost the same Moncada plan. We've watched this now happen a few different times, not only on the offensive side, but also. On the pitching side, Lucas Giolito comes up, struggles all year, goes outside the organization, and all of a sudden he's a different animal. You know, he's just on the mound mowing people down, looks like, you know, Cy Young candidate. Yoan Moncada comes up, cup of coffee, starts the, the year the next year, struggles all year. Then this year, you know, after taking all these reps down in Arizona, worked his ass off over the offseason, now all of a sudden he gets it a full year removed away from what was going on in the minor leagues for him. Now we're seeing Eloy come up, not live up to Eloy potential. You know, what's it going to be next year? All of a sudden Eloy's uh, you know, 35 home run guy. You know, like, I, I just wonder what that is. It just seems, you know, a little concerning. You even go back to Tim Anderson, Tim Anderson. I know there were some external factors and stuff in there, but he was billed as, you know, one of the White Sox best prospects struggled in his first year. Now all of a sudden figures it out. You know, and and you bring up that whole it takes time to get to where they need to be, but yeah, you're right, man. It it, it maybe it's just the frustration of watching what's going on around the league, and you know we had such a, a highly, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know the word I'm searching for here. High expectations. High expectations for some of these uh, players to come into the league, and then all of a sudden it's just it's kind of lackluster, I guess, uh, watching them as they arrive. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and double down on this, Tony. I don't care if I get slammed for it. Shouldn't the rest of the league be a measuring stick for where we want to be? I would, those teams I would, you're competing against? I would think, yes, you're playing Major League Baseball. And you know what? I'm going to go one further here. I, I'm not sure who it was, but they were on the broadcast. I'm not sure if it was DJ in the National Series or if it was. I, I actually want to think. I, I think it was DJ. This was in the uh, the Wednesday game where he said, when you make it to the Major Leagues, 
your only expectation is you're here to win. In the minor leagues, it's about development. But in the major leagues, it's about winning. And this team should be here to win, regardless of whether or not they're in a rebuild, regardless of whether or not they're trying to teach some of these guys and still continue that development at the major league level. You should be primed in a position where you're ready to win. And I'm not saying hold these guys down longer. But what I'm saying is, is if the if the major league roster is full of guys who are still developing and trying to figure this out in their first year of being here, and they're not ready to win, but yet the other players in the major league, like you said, have this measuring stick, what's the problem here? Where yeah. Where is the disconnect? What is the root cause? That's what I want to know. Right. Um, cause, because it does seem like a White Sox problem. Uh, I think that is something to be further investigated, further discussed, further researched, talked about on a, in depth on a Shy Sox Weekly or something like that. But I just wanted to bring it up because you and me talked about this. We uh, went out to lunch today and we kind of prefaced what this is going to be. We were hoping to talk about a win tonight. Um, but this is one of the topics that we brought up. I mean, it, it weighs on my mind because not not because I'm down on Eloy, not because I don't think he's going to be a star, but. There needs to be some sort of, you know, I, I see a lot of defense of anyone that comes up. Well, it just takes time. Well, it just takes this and that. Well, we're not competing anyway. Let them struggle. It, it we, we haven't had a surefire guy yet, and we've had a top prospect, a top three prospect. What, but what better chance are we going to have for this? Is Dane Dunning going to come back from his Tommy John, uh, get called up and get shelled for a year? Are we just going to kick the ball down the road a little further? So that's what that's what this all comes down to, and it's going to be a problem in the future. Is going to happen when the contention window is technically open. So that's why I just wanted to bring this all up, Tony. I've said my last words on it, so I don't so need any more. This is what happens when the White Sox lose to the Kansas City Royals. Everybody gets treated to a full-on, what do we think about the organization and the rebuild as a, as a whole? But let's move into... Uh, tomorrow we've got Lucas Giolito yeah. versus Brad Keller. Uh, let's let's put an end to that because I think you and I could do a full hour on that. Uh, Lucas Giolito, Brad Keller, uh, Lucas eight and one, two point five four ERA. He's got seventy four or seventy eight strikeouts on the year. Sorry, and then uh, Brad Keller, uh, public enemy number one, three and seven with a four five ERA, fifty four strikeouts. Um, what do we think is going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, you said it best. Brad Keller, public enemy number one. Everybody on the White Sox side is going to be out for him, and hopefully we are just getting to him through the bats. That's what I'm looking forward to. I want to see a full team all-out assault. Um, I want offense by committee. doesn't just have to be Tim Anderson, although it would be great if he had a home run and pimped it at Kansas City. I think that would be excellent content. You know he's looking but, for it. I know he's looking for it. Um, but I, I want to see, uh, you know, Jose Abreu, uh, plate couple RBIs. I want to see James McCann continue, build that all-star resume. I want to see Lurie Garcia get on base, start the game. Um, you know, offense by committee is what I'm looking for. So then we don't have to, you know, we talk about Ivan Nova. Oh, should he go into the sixth even? Uh, should he be able to face a, you know, third time around? We're not going to have that problem with Lucas Giolito, but let's not even make it an issue about a bullpen giving up a lead or anything. Let's just get on him, jump on him early and give Lucas a nice cushion Well, because he won't give it up. He won't give it up like Raylo did. The good thing about Lucas Giolito is the offense seems to show up when Lucas Giolito is on the mound. Um, so we should not have any problems tomorrow, knock on wood. Um, but, you know, who's your pick to click for tomorrow? I am going to go with Lurie Garcia, my boy. There you go. Of course you have to. Uh, up, man. Moncada's been swinging it hot. I'm going to say Moncada. 
Um, we saw the Kansas City special. We saw the home runs down in Washington. I think he stays hot. Uh, big game for Mr. Moncada tomorrow, and that's my pick to click. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I would love to see, you know, here in Kansas City, <laughs> when things warm up, ball can travel. And uh, it's starting to feel like summer, Tony. It is. So. Let's see some of those summertime home runs, and I would love to see Mankata just like he did in uh, Washington hit some bombs. Uh, I mean, it's so much fun that this guy, I mean, he's got a perfect swing. We talk about, you know, and I I just need to go back here. I didn't mean to go on a full-on rant here, but it's just looking around the league, seeing it, and I use that as a measuring stick. So um, it is good to see Yohan Mankata finally coming into his own here. Um, he's got one of the sweetest swings in the league. So I like your pick the click. Let's see some home runs from Mankata tomorrow. I am hoping that that is the case. I would also like to see, like you said, some home runs from Tim Anderson just to watch him bat flip it in Kansas City um, would be so cool, especially off of Keller. Um, let's do that. Yeah, in last, f- last time that uh, Keller pitched against the White Sox, Tim Anderson was out with that wrist injury. Correct. So. Correct. So this is his first chance at uh, – Add another shot to uh, to piss Brad Keller off, and let's hope that that happens. Let's get that done in the first inning. I think that'll inject some life into this team. Um, I believe this is now a, a three-game losing streak that we're on. It's it time is. to end that. It's time to end that. It's time to start another winning streak. It's time to climb back to a game below 500, um, and then we'll take it from oh, there. Okay, now that you brought that up, I did have one thing saved from tonight, and I need to shout out Bennett Carroll on Twitter. He says, when we, when uh, we had gone down, he says, folks, why are you shocked? The White Sox need to lose today. Giolito is not losing tomorrow, and if they had won today, tomorrow they'd be 500, which isn't allowed. <laughs> now, that is something me and Buzz talked about uh, when I recorded when we were together in the Buzz Cave the other night. said the White Sox just aren't allowed to get there, and Bennett put it into words perfectly there. So, Bennett Carroll, shout out. Thank you for that tweet because that was exactly what I was thinking. Just feels like the White Sox aren't allowed to get to 500, Tony. <laughs> Well, sitting at twenty nine and thirty three now, so you know it. They could have swept this series. Been, uh, been. Uh, what would they have been? Uh, Five hundred by the end of the series, and, and that was. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't allowed. So we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, I, I would like to see them get over that five hundred mark, just just for Buzz's sake, because I I feel like he needs it. I don't, I don't know if anybody will be happier than Buzz if we if we reach yeah. five hundred and get over. Yeah, I do hope for the welfare of our fellow Sox on Tap panelists. So, well, you know, we, it's also fun to watch him stew a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Um, you got anything? You got anything else tonight, Johnny? Uh, nope, that's all I got. Andrew Kinsler and I will be back for the post game show after Saturday's game. That's it. All right, and that's it for Sox on Tap tonight. Lucas Giulio tomorrow. Hope for better fortunes. Let's go White Sox.